This week, I'm joined by Persephone, founder and CEO of the Media Socialites and Bridal Vogue, an Instagram account she founded six years ago with over 200,000 followers. The Media Socialites work with over 100 companies in the luxury wedding market, many of whom happen to be our clients too. She helps attract more ideal clients to their website, and we work to get more inquiries to your inbox and bookings to fill your calendar. It's such a natural fit for us to have a conversation. Check out this episode to get insights into big myths and misconceptions about content creation, what trends to pay attention to and what ones to avoid, ways to boost referrals from past and current clients, and the number one reason most wedding pros struggle with social media. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. I am so thrilled to have this conversation with Persephone today. And Persephone, I haven't shared this with you, but several months ago, I kept hearing whispers on the wind of, of this, this company that was out there making big waves in the wedding industry, specifically in the luxury segment. And I kept hearing your name over and over and over again. And I remember we went to engage in October and I told Katie, I said, we have got to find out who this Persephone woman is <laughs> because she is the it girl right now in the wedding industry. And I am so thrilled to have you on the podcast today to get a little bit more of your background and also your take on social media in the wedding world because you know how important it is and how effective it can be, especially for premium and luxury brands. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. And to echo that sentiment, you know, we have such an overlap of our clients. And so I've been hearing for so many years that you are the person who has helped the inside of their business and strengthened their sales. So um, once we finally did meet, it was like, hello, why haven't we talked a long time ago? So I'm really excited yeah, to be here. Yeah, so true. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, good. Well, well, for those of you who don't know you, uh, give a little bit of background. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of what's your experience in the wedding industry? And, you know, what do you do right now with your company, Media Socialites, and some of the other endeavors that you're in? Yeah, so I've been in the industry for almost 15 years. Um, I was a little baby when I first started in this space and I worked at Wedding Wire, uh, was an intern, worked my way up, launched strategic partnerships um, and was working with the likes of the Targets and the David's Bridals and the Monique Lulliers of the world creating social media and content campaigns. And that was lovely. I had a blast doing it. And um, I really got ingratiated into the bridal fashion space and the luxury space in that way, because that's always what interested me. It wasn't the appropriate audience um, for Wedding Wire and the Non at the time. And so I started a page called Bridal Vogue. And the account grew, it kind of exploded, to be frank. And what I loved about it was I was able to share my examples of what I found to be beautiful that I wasn't seeing really represented anywhere. 
and people were taking a liking to it. So as the account grew, um, people naturally came to me and asked me if I could help their businesses out, if I could write for them, if I could kind of crack the code on social. And so I did exactly that. And my agency, the Media Socialites, started as a side hustle. So while I had my twins, I was still working full time and launching this business and balancing all of these pieces together, I decided I needed to really go all in on, on myself and, and really maximize this potential opportunity. And here we are. And now we serve about 130 different luxury clients globally. We have a team of 50 full-time employees. And the reason why we've kind of boomed is because I really believe to you really need to go where attention flows. So whether it's Instagram or PR or TikTok, wherever it is, um, I want to make sure that we're always at the forefront and basically decoding that for our clients versus having them have to try and figure it out. Because that's kind of the problem of our industry. And you think it's like, what the hell do I do with this? <laughs> yeah, well, I, and I and I think that that's so true. And you and I are both in kind of the B two B space where we're helping businesses grow. And one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of wedding professionals, creative types in general, are really good at their their craft, their their technical work that they have to do. But the business side of things, the marketing side of things, the sales side of things, doesn't come as natural as the creative components of it. Totally. And so we're both there to help people in areas that they're not expert, just like we need experts outside of our own business and maybe sometimes creative or technical ways that we don't have those, those skills. Exactly. And I think where our paths continue to like overlap is we are oftentimes representing the face of these businesses and you're representing the insides, right? So once we bring them through, you know, social in some capacity or people the right client finds them, then you're able to do your magic and convert them. So tell me a little bit about some of the biggest challenges that your clients run up against. And, yeah. you know, I know you work with a lot of different segments, not, not just in the wedding industry, although that's kind of your, your primary client. So let's just stay focused if we can, because our audience is, is 95% or more wedding, yeah. you know, focus. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that wedding pros struggle with when it comes to social media? So I'm sure this will shock all of you, but time, <laughs> time is number mm -hmm. one. And also, um, being overly critical of oneself is the second, I would say biggest hurdle that we have to overcome. I think sometimes there's too much of an emotional connection to the work. There's either positive or negative feelings associated with the output and they overthink it. And so we're coming at a very neutral but constructive place where it's like, is this work going to attract the right client? Is this work, you know, right for your audience and being able to kind of take that away. And also um, just, you know, the time to do social right once upon a time you could have an intern do it once upon a time you could have a high school kid that's like always what people say to me i'll just like have my my teenage son do it i'm like the the whole marketing umbrella of your business you know it just doesn't make that much sense so yeah so it, so the challenges then are time in the sense that they don't have enough time to devote to it or, or a team 
have enough time or experience to devote to it. Um, and also making sure that um, the, the time that they're spending on the clients who are inquiring through social media yeah. is well used rather than clogging the pipeline, yes. which is you, with too many unqualified inquiries or DMs of like, hey, how much does it cost rather than real ideal clients? Exactly, exactly. And I feel like, especially over the past couple of years, right? I mean, time and making sure that we're saving and allocate time appropriately is so incredibly important. So I would say above everything else, that's a huge issue that people are facing right now. It's like kind of running around with your hair on fire. So along these lines of time, how much time do you think people should spend at minimum on social media to maintain some sort of strategic brand awareness or presence uh, in say Instagram and or you know TikTok or whatever you would consider the the primary channels that they need to be president. Such a great question. I don't think that it can be summed up in a in an almost dollar amount of time, but rather I think it's the quality. So are you being consistent and are you putting out quality content that again aligns with your end consumer, but also that you're proud of and. Um, it's tough because the other major piece is diversifying your time, right? Um, because Instagram has kind of been the place for so long, but the truth is algorithms change and user behavior changes. And so like in order to be present on all of these channels, you would need at least an hour a day to properly do this and make sure that you're hitting Pinterest, TikTok, and Instagram at a minimum, right? So I would say, um, again, it's more like quality of time. And and when we're, we're thinking about social media, I was just talking about this with a client yesterday, that there's really two components of it. There's the social part and the media part. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> a lot of people are focused on the media part, which I have found. And, and I, I may be a bit over my skis here because you're the expert, uh, but what I, what I know is that the social component is probably underutilized and under leveraged by so many businesses. They forget that it's not just about putting up photos and writing captions. It's about interacting and engaging, not just with the people who are following your account, but with other people's accounts, the people's that you want to do more work with. That's where it does, it does take a lot of time because you've got to be connected. You've got to stay engaged. That's the key. And I think, you know, sometimes people look at social as frivolous or, or a problem. And I understand that to an extent, but if you use it as a sales tool, it is the ultimate, like it's the ultimate key because oftentimes the way we'll use social is we'll align with that client's goals. I'm, I'll give an example of a B2B business and we will align who we are engaging with because we do the engagement and com basically community management on social as well and make sure that we're kind of flirting with those ideal clients so that they're constantly top of mind or for a wedding planner um if there is you know a group of brides that have been engaged she wants to get into that circle he or she wants to get into that circle we'll make sure that we're flirting essentially with them appropriately on on instagram and on all the different channels to make sure that like you're remaining top of mind and that's it takes an exorbitant amount of time we do it all by hand 
and it we have a team of five working behind one at, at a minimum one person's business mm. and i have my own team managing my own stuff because i don't have the damn time either so it's like that, that's the reality of this you know yeah it does it's a, it, it does it does become a commitment and it also is where people are spending um, their time our buyers are spending their time and and it's more and more as the years go along and so it's not something you can neglect you've got to figure out a way to handle it what are some of the what are some of the blocks that you think that a lot of wedding pros have when it comes to creating great content for social media what's getting in the way of a wedding pro consistently putting out good content on their feeds or in their stories? I would say genuinely their mind, just the overthinking of it all. It is that deep, but it's also not that deep because if you're operating in the luxury space, you're doing a pretty great job. It's just important to be consistent even if you are putting little snippets or sneak peeks, et cetera. I actually think video content is the most important asset that you can be sharing period because the truth is you can manipulate video content better than any other medium and i think again people just overcomplicate it or get like you know um when you're a kid you're jumping rope and you're just kind of waiting to jump in for whatever reason the most talented of talented professionals will get into that space and then just be like i can't do this like and throw their hands up I think obviously having a great iPhone is lovely. You can have a not so great iPhone and capture video content and people are still interested. I think sometimes we forget that people love to see the process and showing your process actually adds value to your bottom line and value to your worth. So knowing the process and and not having it be perfect, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna put the p word yes. out there because I think that has a lot to do with what you're talking about. <laughs> it is. I, I didn't want to say it, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I I I'm, for those of you who can't see me, I've got my hand up. Hi, my name's Sam. I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> and for me, mine is not perfection in details. That's Katie's perfectionism. Um, and many others is perfection in the details, but mine is performance perfectionism. Like an A minus is an F in my book. Yeah. And so if something's not perfectly done and going to get great results, I'm like, well, let's not even try it. And I think that there's a lot of both of those types of perfectionism in the details and the, the, the end product not being where people want it. And so they decide I'm not going to put anything out there instead of something that's less than perfect. And I I totally understand that, but where I want everyone to get to is the acceptance of perfectly imperfect, because it's by, again, storytelling your process and showing that you're capable of taking this crazy situation and making something absolutely flawless. I'm going to use the F word, Uh, the other, the other, you know, the other word that is actually the most beautiful thing that you can show. And again, it gives people trust and confidence that you're the right person to handle their photography or, you know, capture their, their videos or, you know, be the right planner and designer. It's just like that adds value. You can take some chaos and make something incredible. People don't want, they don't want a a story where 
things started really well. They want a story that that it was like a rags to riches or you <laughs> overcame a challenge or difficulty mm-hmm. uh, that you like you said, create you create order out of chaos. Mm-hmm. So th- there's got to be a little bit of that plot development in there. And it, and it should be can be and should be present in your social media. It shouldn't just be picture perfect moments. It's got to be the development to get there. Correct. And I think where we're going as hopefully and moving into as a society is the, the craving for authenticity. Because when you connect on a human level, we know this, that people buy from people that they like and that they want to work with. And so when you can show you know, the imperfect sides of you or vulnerability, whether that's, you know, in the process or if you have the confidence to actually get on camera and share relevant information um, on camera, just want to like asterisk that. Um, I think that that really helps the connection and it helps people want to know more about you, connect with you, submit a lead, etc. So I think sometimes um, we forget that Humans like other human beings. So the perf- the perfection can actually oftentimes be very overwhelming to receive. And can we perfectly qualified leads out by not sharing anything like freezing? Yeah. They want to know that, you, that you're like them. Mm-hmm. And, and if you are, if you are unapproachable, that can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, Persephone, tell me this, are ideal clients really out on Instagram I hear this that like, oh, my Instagram leads are, you know, no good. Nothing good comes through. I do know that that, uh, you know, obviously referrals are the highest converting channel that you'll get when you get inquiries and you look at the source of business. Um, You know, historically, social media can be a little bit lower, but especially in the luxury space, all you're looking for is a handful of really great clients. Right. So it's not it's not about everyone being ideal. It's about getting enough of the ideal ones. And, and you've seen that with your clients. No question. So are our collective clients ideal leads on Instagram? Not only are they but they're on all the social channels. And I think um, in addition to Instagram, TikTok came on the scene aggressively during the C word during COVID and, you know, came with a vengeance and was a very young, youthful platform where people just thought it was about dancing and what have you. Where that channel, and to me, that is the future, is the present and the future. That channel has allowed for us, no matter what your interests are, to basically be down a rabbit hole very quickly by serving up relevant behaviorally driven content to you, which is why I love it so much. But on both, this is how we make decisions, whether we're buying a house, what we're going to eat tonight, what we're going to wear, where we're going to travel to. We are validating businesses on social, whether we're it's from an exploratory side of things or validation both are found in these different in these different places because that's where people are spending their time. You know, it's interesting that you brought that up, this exploratory versus validation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would I would put, you know, a sales term or a marketing term on that, like top of funnel or end of or bottom of funnel Bingo. or beginning of beginning of buyer's journey, end of mm-hmm. buyer's journey. And one of the things that I recommend to clients, and again, I, I try and like touch very, very softly and from a very far distance social media uh, because I'm not the expert. But I do know when social media is important is at the beginning, at the end. And that's because you want to make people aware of you. But 
I want to not neglect the end of buyer's journey, the bottom of funnel, the reassurance mm-hmm. that, that you mentioned, because that's when people are on the fence yes. at the end of the decision-making process. And social media is easily one of the best resources that any wedding pro has to push them over the edge, across the finish line and get them to sign a contract. How do you recommend that wedding pros can use it for that purpose? Such a great question. We find, particularly in the luxury space, that these vendor creative cohorts, not going to even call them vendors, they're creative teams, they ride very hard for one another. And if you are tagged in you know, your favorite photographer's feed, real stories, and you're constantly circulating among a, a specific group, so to speak, then the stumble upon and the confirmation of your work and how great you actually are is there and people can find you in multiple different places. So I think oftentimes one of the easiest things that you can do is a collaborator post with someone that you constantly collaborate with, right? I mean, if you are constantly serving business back and forth with a particular planner, then just ask. The worst that could happen is no. But I would venture to say that any person within the creative team should ask that question because it just opens up more visibility and and allows you to confirm that this team is the right one for you as a customer. What are some ways that pros can cut through the noise on social media? And there's so much out there and it's hard to see it any different than going through a restaurant row in a foreign country. And, you know, you've got the guys that are standing out there with the menus in their hand and, and they're, they're barking at you you know, in in the sense that they're like, you know, hey, come in, come in, check this out. You know, we've got great food. You know, everybody's yelling at you as you're walking by and you start to kind of tune it out because it's just, it's just background noise. At some point though, there's something that draws you into that restaurant. There's something that draws you into that storefront. What is it about social media that people can tap into to cut through that noise, to draw people in with maybe a whisper rather than a yell? I love this question and what a great way to kind of explain it. There is a lot of noise, right? I mean, we're being inundated by reels. We're being inundated by people pointing and, you know, trying to give information. And I think for the luxury space, I just have to say, I don't think that that's appropriate. One of the best ways is to make sure that whatever you're putting out is as expensive feeling and as elegant and elevated as you and your brand feel. And I think that's really important to note because oftentimes I'm finding, and you tell me what you think too, but some of the best of the best have this gorgeous website that they probably built through you, but then it feels very homegrown on their feed or on their TikTok. And you're like, this does not make sense especially if they're operating at a specific price point, it needs to feel elegant, elegant, branded, thoughtful, and strategic. And you can always get that sentiment when you're like, it's clear that someone is thinking about this full picture. And I appreciate that because if they're thinking about it on their own brand, how are they going to take care of me on my day? So I would say just that like, there needs to be a level of polish. It, It cannot feel homegrown. 
at some point, I think it's about consistency and making sure that there are no deficiencies in, in the way that you present your brand, right? Like people are looking for, I think it's called the uh, negativity bias. They're looking for that one thing that's wrong with something. Mm -hmm. And that's what we humans are trained to do. We, we scan the environment looking for like, what's wrong? What's out of place? What's, what's different than what it should be. And so we're looking for that in brand subconsciously when we see them online in so many different areas. And I think you're totally right. hundred percent that if you've got something that looks homegrown next to something that's very well put together, that there's going to be kind of this like sideways head right? turn of like, you know, like a confused dog yes. would make like, wait, <laughs> exactly. something's wrong with this. It's so triggering <laughs> for me. Cause I'm just like, just because you're elevating on social doesn't mean that you're losing authenticity. It is authentic to you to be elegant and elevated. So it's just making sure that all the parts match so that no matter how that person comes to you, that it's all the same and consistent. And that's what I'm seeing right now that doesn't make that much sense. But that is also what will delineate you from the fray. But again, please do not dance. Please stop pointing. Don't do this. I'm allowed to do this because I'm in social media. No one in luxury should be doing that. <laughs> so, so dancing and pointing, yes. n- not not a not a recommendation, yes. uh, which is good because I I think that's probably something that um, has kept me off of doing some of the the trends and the whether it's reels or TikTok is that it's been less about content and substance and more about fitting in. And there's been something that feels inauthentic. I mean, y'all know my face. You hear, well, you hear my voice. You most of you know my face, but you couldn't imagine this 45 year old bald headed, goateed, gray bearded guy <laughs> standing in front of a camera dancing to the latest trending sound on TikTok. And I think that that's good advice, Persephone, to make sure that your brand, whether you look like me or not, aligns with what it is that. Uh, you're seeing it in the trends. It, it, it could be trending, but you want to make sure it's uh, genuine and consistent with your own brand. I'm curious, what are some other some other mistakes? You know, we've talked about n- not necessarily following the trend. We talked about being inauthentic to your brand. We've talked about being inconsistent. What's another mistake that you see wedding pros make on social media? There's two that come to mind. The first one is a lack of diversification on the different channels. So. Again, once upon a time, like Facebook was it. And then we moved off Facebook and Instagram became it. And Pinterest came about at some point too, but everyone's attention has been so much like the feed, the feed, the feed. Well, the truth is the usage is going down and it's going elsewhere. So if you aren't diversifying your funds, I look at social channels as funds, then you're missing massive amounts of opportunity, audience, and to connect with someone who actually can hear you very clearly in a different community. The other thing that I hear so often and see so often across social is this like feeling stuck with the trends. And I kind of want to demystify that for a second. A trend can mean lots of different things. A trend can be an audio, a trend can be a dance, a trend can be a transition of a video or a sound. So it's important to, going back to that authenticity core that we keep speaking on, to make sure that whatever you're doing is aligned with, is your own interpretation of that trend. So again, if you're not a dancer, then how can you use that sound if it does speak to you 
to showcase your work in a meaningful way or get on that that trending train in a meaningful way. And I think that's the key is, is it meaningful? I would rather someone participate in multiple different social channels and not use a trending audio, but be consistent and authentic to themselves because they will always win. They will always attract their ideal client. And I think that just like idea of this trend, trend, trend like the, the trends are constantly evolving and changing and the audio is just like the right audio. We have to be true to ourselves. We have to, and the trends will always spin around us. But like, if you, you know, remain very focused, then you will always connect with your person. Speaking of connection, going back to this social part of social media, any tips for people on engaging with other vendors and forming that, that collaborative? I was, I was on, on a call with a coaching client and she was, she was like, Sam, I just, I just feel so cheesy reaching out to somebody. Like, what am I supposed to say? Like, Hey, I love your work. I'd love to have you. I'd love to be on your vendor list. Like, you know, and I'm like, ah, it, that's not how it works. But, but I think for a lot of wedding pros out there, when you talk about connecting with other people that you want to do work with mm -hmm. through social media, it feels like you're being cheesy or salesy mm -hmm. or too direct. What are some ways that you can interact and engage with brands that you admire? Uh, people that you want to do work with in the future without feeling that way without feeling forced or in a, or like yeah like you're in pitch mode okay that's a great question so i would say the first step is to make sure that you're following them i know this sounds obvious but i can't even explain explain to you how many people are not following the people that they want to be working with and i don't understand it and so you want to make sure that you're following them the second step is make sure that you are commenting and liking and saying something meaningful, not just like lovely, beautiful, but something meaningful where you could actually see it. I would say like, does it have a line of copy that you would actually be able to notice it when someone's looking through the comments? I would respond pretty consistently on stories too. And I would do this for about a month period of time, if you can, or even a couple of weeks, if you can, and then slide into someone's DMs officially and say, if you are a planner wanting to get on a, ven a venues list, for example, um, you know, I've been admiring the venue for such a long time. This is in a DM. Can you guide me as to the best way to set up a meeting? I'm not sure if you're the appropriate person, but can you guide me? And then it kind of disarms because sometimes you're talking to the other business owner. Sometimes you're talking to us <laughs> or, a, or a social team and they can direct you accordingly. And it feels just a little bit like, more, I don't know, just calmer. Like you're just asking mm. for guidance and then you can shift it in person or in email or in a safer context. I like that because there's always some sense of the game that's being played there. But I feel like planners, especially because this is usually who we're talking about, right? Is the, the planner getting hit up through uh, social media uh, from photographers or videographers or stationers or floral designers or whomever it may be. And I think the planners that I, I work with at least are always aware that people are trying to get on their vendors list. And that's just, it's like, I wrote a, a newsletter last year, two years ago, I can't remember at some point. And I was like, y'all stop pestering planners, like leave them alone. Oh <laughs> don't don't ask it on the vendors list anymore. Yes. It's, it's going to be a hard no right away. Yes. If you, if you approach them. Mm -hmm. So 
I do think that 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 idea of just kind of tap, tap, tapping mm-hmm. and letting them know you're there and then waiting for a moment mm-hmm. to be able to connect and then disarming it mm-hmm. by saying, hey, I'd love to have a chance to actually have a conversation with you. Are you up for that? Totally. Rather than coming right out and saying it on social. Yeah. I mean, you're asking for a date, essentially, a business date. And so in that instance, because I think that's a perfect another perfect example of the planner constantly getting hit up by every type of vendor possible, right? Um, And creative partner possible. I love to guide our clients to definitely engage in the ways that I just described, but also to share um, in that initial message. Um, You know, I'd love to come and photograph your team with some headshots if they're a photographer or do something that's like, you know, shows your value or stop by and, you know, drop off this cake for you to bring home to your family, whatever that is to make it special, but also take yourself outside of the social element into like from online to offline, essentially, how can you bring them from online to offline and in a, a softer, in a softer way that shows, you know, the value of what you do. So one of the best referral sources out there are your current clients or your more, more specifically the friends of your current clients who might be getting married. And that was the context of like, stop pestering planners. They're not the only ones who can give you referrals. In fact, the best people to give referrals are the people who have used your services. Mm -hmm. And so what are some things that you recommend or what's, what's one solid tip that you would give to listeners about how to engage with your clients in a way to get them to share information about you or, you know, provide a throaty endorsement for the experience that they've had. How can, how can you encourage that behavior? Such a great question. There's a couple different ways. I think honestly, um, one is just tagging them in the content, even if it's a soft tag so that no one can see it because The truth is we know that these couples, they love to brag about their wedding, love to brag about their wedding. So sharing some sort of sentiment on social within your caption, within stories, on TikTok, any type of way that you can integrate them into the story where appropriate. We know there's lots of NDAs going on, but also um, asking directly after the event has come to an end and you've sent them some sort of gift, even if it's something small. I think gift or no gift, asking is better than not asking at all. Even if it's written, I have some of our clients who will ask for video testimonials, audio testimonials. I think uh, the audio experience is a huge opportunity because it kind of takes away from the fear factor of like flipping the camera, but you can take the audio and then put it on top of a reel, which is showing your final product and their voice on top of it. It's like, how can we think about what we're, what we're asking and simultaneously marry for a lack of a better term, um, marry these two pieces together in a very natural way. And I think we all know the clients who would ride really hard for us, the couples who have had the best experience and have referred four different, you know, additional, you know, rides to you. It's just having the confidence. Yeah, those are some good ideas. I love the one about the audio overlay on some sort of reel or video component Mm -hmm. that you put together. I I read somewhere, I think it was 70% increase in believability if you put a photo next to a testimonial. 
And it, it's like through the roof when you actually have the person who's given the testimonial using their voice or, or their, their, their video as a recording. So I, I think that that's a solid idea. I think there's so much opportunity there for wedding professionals to reconnect and leverage more from their current clients. I, I you know, I, I sold weddings directly for eight years and I remember over and over again, the couples that I would work with, they would say, Sam, this has been so incredible. You just made the best day of our life that much better. If there's any way that we can ever repay you, please just let us know. Like, and if you, if you are good at what you do, you will get that every once in a while. And that's when you say, you know what, Sally and Steve, there is something you can do. (laughs) I've got three or four things that I would, I would love for you to consider. One of them would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Two of them would be astonishing. Mm -hmm. And, and here they are, Mm -hmm. you know, which one do you feel most comfortable Mm -hmm. with? And if you just make that ask, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get it every time, Mm -hmm. but you're going to get it some of the time. Mm-hmm. And if you got it from, you know, one out of four of your clients, that'd be incredible. That's exactly right. And I think we just need to have the confidence to do that. You're not inconveniencing. I mean, it's not an inconvenience when you've given someone joy because we're selling joy constantly, right? We're selling beauty constantly. I think sometimes we we work with a lot of people who feel uncomfortable just making that ask where the person on the other side is overjoyed quite literally to scream from the rooftops. So I think it's incredibly appropriate. And we all know, again, those that aren't appropriate to ask, and that's okay too. Not everyone needs to be a referral, but how can we digitize and socialize those referrals and basically elongate the life of that referral by doing something tangible with it that that is where social goes to a completely different dimension and becomes a tool and a resource and i think that's kind of how we need to reframe social media yes it can be toxic yes there's a lot of downsides of it if you allow yourself to go there but if you're using it as a tool for your business this is what can really change the game for people and really make all experiences and all of your relationships go the distance in my opinion Speaking about elongating the client journey and how long they're able to shout your business's name from the rooftops, I hear from a lot of wedding pros that they can't post, especially during quiet season, because they don't have any new content. Mm -hmm. How important is it to always have new content or can you repurpose or recycle or reuse or reinterpret existing content that you have or, or that you've not yet posted in the past, but it it's not new to you at least. Yeah, I'm for those who can't see my face, I'm smiling so large right now because I get this question constantly, whether they can't post it at all or again, it's like a, a dry spell, so to speak. We have to remember who the end consumer is. And if we're talking to couples, even if we're actually talking B2B, I'm just going to say this directly. Most people aren't going to see your content all the time and remember it. So you can, we're not all that important. We are all important, but you have to remember that everything Insta is instant, right? So we need to make sure that we're creating a connection and making something memorable. So slicing and dicing old content and repurposing it. If you're speaking to couples, you're constantly circulating through new couples constantly, right? They're graduating once they become, you know, married. When you're talking to B2B, 
The same is true. There are seasons of times that they will be, you know, super busy and be able to look at your work all the time. And then other times where that is just not going to be the case and that's okay too. So rework that content, put it in a reel, take your photos from an event and stitch it in a, a TikTok. They've given you that ability now. Just look at it from a different vantage point and share it because it's you can always refresh it. It does not have to be in the moment. In fact, I'm a big believer, huge believer that you should not be posting in real time. I think that is so damn stressful and unnecessary. It does not add value. So you can go back to something that you did last year or even two years ago, because frankly, the people who are really, truly paying attention to you right now weren't even engaged two years yep. ago. And so for them, it's new, but for you, it might be old, but it doesn't really matter because you're not the one buying your services. Right. Somebody else is, and they're excited. They're seeing it for the first mm -hmm. time and it's new to them. The new to them is really what we need to shift our mindset to because it's always new to them. People's memories are not frozen in that one reel that they saw six months ago. You know, we can, we can use different angles. I'm not saying to necessarily repurpose the exact same content like what you've already shared though you can do that very successfully on TikTok, and it works beautifully um you can li quite literally reshare the exact same TikTok again six months later and it can do even better at times but yeah i mean it's giving you life because you work that hard that hard and if that's your output and the photos and the videos are all you have then you best believe you need to squeeze the sponge out of that content at all times. Yeah, get every last drop from the squeeze. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's I, I don't remember where I was. I think somebody told me that like from every photo that they have, they can get somewhere between five and eight different posts. <laughs> Even just by going through and zooming in on certain mm -hmm. parts of the photo mm -hmm. and talking about different components of the mm -hmm. photo and you know, really linking the caption with what's in the image or the sentiment that they want to share. It's not just the image. If I, I think that, and I, I watch my wife scroll over and over again. And, and I, of course I do it myself, but it's not the image that you really remember. It's the connection of the image and the sentiment below it, whatever's being communicated. And I think so many people are focused on just the image, 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 but it's really the connection that it has with the caption below and what you can get people to remember emotionally, what they can feel when they, when they put those two things together. And, and th that never gets old. Correct. And can you be providing your audience with something that is serving them? I'm so glad you brought up the copy because the copy is incredibly, incredibly important. Your content should be, whether it's copy or visual, should educate, inspire, or entertain. And most importantly, it should not be serving you. It should be serving out, out always value driven, you know, showcasing your work, but explaining the detail as to how you took this little thing and, and showed the process. You can articulate these three different buckets that I just described by storytelling what you did. And that, I feel like the art of the story has gotten lost in translation by the like fast, you know, and constant need to play catch up or just put something out. Uh, uh Like the story is the epicenter of everything. The visual is actually the spokes. Yeah. I love that. You know, we, uh, 
we talk about how important stories are. Obviously, we're, you know, we're a company that tells stories for different companies that we work with so that their clients remember them because humans remember information in stories. They have to have a place to put it in their memory and we can't just store general information very well. We have to, you know, collate it and, and organize it in ways that our brain is used to. And so, when you know when we talk about things like social media or, or images in general we focus on three different components the style that you have the story that you're telling and the psychology that you're trying to tap into and it's the overlap of all three of those things that make for a really great you know website or sales experience or client journey or social media feed mm-hmm. And it's it's not just one. People focus on the style a lot, but they forget about the story and they don't even know about the psychology, which we can talk about on a different episode because <laughs> that is that is super, super deep and very, very powerful when it comes to your social media. It's incredibly important. And again, like at the end of the day, when you were talking earlier and asking me earlier, like how can you get away from, you know, stand out in the fray? It is the story. It is the story that makes the difference. I love some of our clients have invited us to be on site during an event and document their process as they're putting together some incredible experience for someone else. And then actually being able to write what happened and what not only what was the inspiration, but what happened. Because sometimes what happened in the perfectly curated image at the end doesn't exactly exemplify the process, but it adds value when you're able to share it. And and it, again, it builds trust, most importantly. And I think, you know, we've, we've gone, we're a very like quick society, but people do really care about reading more than we've given them credit to, especially our clients when you're making a massive decision like who you're going to hire for your wedding. Yeah, you know, I I just read this book on marketing to the affluent and Mm -hmm. in there, the author, he says this line, which I love. He says, uh, rich people have big libraries, poor people have big TVs. And he, he's a very direct, if not snarky, uh, communicator. But but I think the sentiment there is so powerful. Uh, there was another study that he, he, he cited that said that the average affluent American reads two educational books per month and overall will read 32 books per year compared with the average American who reads nine books per year. So I hear all the time because we own a copywriting company. Oh, Sam, nobody reads anymore. It's just about the visual branding. It's about how beautiful the template looks. It's about the photos and the videos and all of that stuff. And those things are true. Uh, But at the end of the day, the people who care about the most and frankly, the people who have the most money typically spend the most time researching that big purchase that they're going to make. And if you don't have any meat on the bone that they're trying to chew on when they're digging through your material then you're not going to be the one that they end up choosing more often than not. So it's about providing the right information at the right time Mm -hmm. and in the right way. Mm -hmm. It may not be a book that you want to put on social media, but you've got to put something in there to hook Mm -hmm. them. Otherwise, it's just another pretty photo out of the thousands they're looking at every week. Correct. And there's different variances of tone based on, you know, your audience too. So some people we work with are kind of, 
mystical, if you will, and direct in that way, limited in what they're sharing, but that feels expensive the way that we're taking it and curating it all together. And then some people are a gal's gal or a guy's guy, and that's how they write and that's how they connect. And it's true to their brand and they can still deliver luxury and you just have to adjust accordingly but staying true to you making sure that you're serving your audience and making sure that whatever you're sharing is going to connect with your audience like that is essential Mm -hmm. words matter they do Mm -hmm. they really do Mm -hmm. tell me this Mm -hmm. what's the one last piece of advice that you want to share whether it's a false belief that people have about social media a big trend that you see upcoming in the future uh, could be a mistake that people make. What's the last tidbit of information you want to impart on our dear audience? Uh, I'm going to go off of something that you just kind of said and expand upon it. It's a conversation I was having with with one of our mutual clients, and it is rich people watch TikTok. Affluent people watch TikTok, and they use it as a resource to learn. Um, it's become a huge resource to learn and they've aligned with Google to make sure that your TikToks are actually helping strengthen your search engine results for your website. And I think that is one of the biggest places that I want to call attention to. It is, like I said, the present and the future. And the number one question I get on the daily is, is my audience actually watching TikTok? I just can't imagine people spending that much money watching TikTok. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're spending about a hundred minutes a day actually on TikTok. So it makes total sense. I hear all the time, oh, you know, the affluent, they don't find me through SEO. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Millionaires still use it. They still use Google. Um, (laughs) I, I I think millionaire couples are still kind of bored waiting for a ride to show up or sitting in the airport while they're going away on a vacation or you know, w- waiting for a friend to show up at a restaurant or whatever it may be. And they're killing time and they're doing it on social media. Uh, and it, it's just something that you can't get away from culturally. Yeah. I also think that, you know, when it comes to consuming information, you're spot on, Persephone, in the sense that people want infotainment, yeah. right? They want to be entertained when they're consuming information. Mm-hmm. It's not just the content. It's it's the way that it, the content is delivered. Is it delivered in, an, in a fun and engaging way? Mm-hmm. Any teacher who, you know, who who's in, you know, school, mm-hmm. high school, middle school, you know, elementary school knows that it's not just teaching them the content. It's about doing it in a way that's interesting, that will keep their attention. And that's something that you know, the, the developers in social media have, have gotten down pat based on a number of different uh, neuroscientific approaches. And so I do think that it's important to make sure that you're in all places, whether or not you, you may consume information that way or not. We know that your buyer probably is. And by meeting them where they're at and the conversation that they're having at that time, then you're more likely to get the kind of inquiry that you want from the person that's going to matter most. Exactly. There's also a difference between creators and consumers and there's white space within there too so i'm not i'm not assuming that they're creating sharing on tiktok sharing on instagram even they might have private accounts but they are consuming and that's all that we care about at the end of the day we don't need them to create anything we we will do the creation so if people want to learn more about how they can get you to create information, infotainment, content yeah. for them, uh, and they wanted to consume more uh, information from you, yeah. where's the best way for them to find that? 
Yes, thank you. Um, they can find us at themediasocialites.com or you can slide into my DMs on at the Media Socialites or even better at Bridal Vogue, Bridal underscore Vogue on Instagram and TikTok. Yeah, Persephone, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I feel like you've got such a good pulse on what's going on in the wedding industry. Thank you. And, and being able to connect that with what's happening uh, in social media, which we know is super important. I, I have not posted on my personal account in uh, three years, almost mm-hmm. four years. I would I not be it. on social media if it wasn't for business. You notice, I bet you did. I bet I you did. did. You're probably shaking your head like, it's okay. what is this guy doing? We're going to talk about how we're going to manage your business too. And the <laughs> I know you. I know we are. But, but here's the thing is that I do spend somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 45 minutes every day on Instagram, even though I don't want to be on it, I know that I've got to do it for business purposes. And so when I get on, I do it intentionally and I tell myself, okay, don't just spend the time, don't just check the boxes, but actually be present, be connected, be engaged in what's going on. As a company, we only follow the people that we do, that we do work with, that we, that we, you know, are, are our clients. Or, or, or partner brands that we work with. I do have LeBron James on there because I like him as a yeah. human. And there's, there's a, <laughs> a couple other inspirational figures that we have. But, but in general, what we have done is limited our feed to just the most important people and we connect with them. And it is the way that we stay connected. Mm-hmm. I do think that even if you are not a fan of social media, you have got to spend the time and be present and be engaged and deliver what it is that your clients want because at the end of the day, it's not about you, it's about them. And if this is what's important to them, then you've got to be there when you are asked for. Exactly. Exactly. You have to show up if you want them to show up. So good. Persephone, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Persephone. As she mentioned on the episode, we felt like there was a ton more to talk about than the time we had for. And it's true. So we decided to do a full workshop on how to create content that connects with your ideal clients on social media. We're going to focus on how to do three things. Showcase your brand style, tell stories that stick with couples, and trigger the deepest psychological needs in your ideal clients. If you're interested in attending our free workshop this month, check the show notes for a link to register. We're doing it live so you can ask questions and we'll give you answers, but people who sign up will also get access to the replay. Hope to see you there.